Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Dia Bondi from Ask Like an Auctioneer. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of On The Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey. And as usual, I'm bringing you yet another incredible woman, a credible role model to talk to you today. It's just been such a joy discovering all these women all over the world. And today we welcome Dia Bondi. And she is the founder of a company called Ask Like an Auctioneer. And it's a program that uses a new model to help women make that bold and courageous ask for more. And I love that because so much of what we're dealing with in this women's movement is about that confidence gap. So Dia, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for being with us today. I was happy to be here with you and your listeners. So thanks for having me. Wonderful. Well, I kind of love to just to take everybody way back. So tell us about when you were growing up, what was your big dream? What did you think you were going to be doing when you were all grown up? I mean, I had no idea. And I I had this picture in my head that one day, one of the things that I would do would be a long haul truck driver. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I have not heard that one yet. (laughs) That's awesome. I got to tell you, like, I didn't have a lot of pictures of what a female CEO looked like or women who ran their own businesses. My aunt owned her own ballet school. You know, most of the family worked in it at one point or another. My dad had his own company. My mom, you know, ran the family and helped support his construction business. But I didn't have a picture of like, I want to be a New York executive or sort of these iconic female powerhouse sort of archetypes that we have. But I did have a picture. I, you know, I always thought, God, I would love to be, I want to be a long haul truck driver. My friends wanted to be, you know, firefighters and teachers and like that. And I want to be a long haul truck driver. And, you know, looking back, it sort of makes sense to me now. You know, I had this picture of like me and my 18 wheeler and that I would pull up at a truck stop and, you know, it would be the shiniest, coolest, most badass looking truck on the parking lot. And that I would open the door and slide out and everyone would be totally shocked that it was a woman. You know, I love this idea of being sort of like a pioneer in a space that was really sort of a male culture. Now that I look back, it makes sense to me because there's an aspect of that. Like, yes, there's sort of a pioneering vibe there. And this idea of like being able to own my own rig, be out on the road alone, but like going somewhere, you know, and it was just such a powerful image in my mind. And I was always really compelled and thought I wanted to be a long haul truck driver when I was growing up. Wow. I ne- I've never driven a long haul style, you know, big rig. I don't know. Hey, there's always time. I did become an auctioneer. For some reason, they're kind of maybe in the same sort of genre. I don't know. Well, and what I love about your story is that so many times, obviously we hear the message here is that no one's path is linear, right? And we have all these dreams and then how do we sort of end up what we're doing? But what I love about your dream is what it screams to me is from a very early age, you just had this wicked confidence. And this desire, I mean, when you talk about this surprising people when you jumped out and you were a woman, I mean, I don't know that many young girls are just wanting to do that. So it's so powerful because I think it very much relates to what you're doing now because now you're teaching other women how to do that, how to feel like that. I think so. And, you know, looking back now, like even though I didn't become a long haul truck driver, I was always self-employed. 
you know, I didn't have a job job until a client in my communications work, a client of mine actually offered me a role in house. And I was like 36 years old. I've never had a job before. Sure. Let me try that. So I went in house for a couple of years, but the rest of it, I was out on my own, you know, after high school, in college, instead of working at a local restaurant or on campus or something, I went out and got a certification and taught group fitness for the next 10 years as a way to kind of scrape by, but more importantly, to like practice autonomy, right? Because I was a 1099 which meant I could sub in and sub out. I didn't really have a boss boss, but I was part of a community that was really tied to like using movement as a way to be embodied, grow confidence and a sense of self and strength, which was a metaphor for so much of what was going on in the women that I work with in that context lives. You know, they came to movement and fitness to experience, you know, joy and to be embodied, to see themselves differently, to meet other women, to challenge their own perception of themselves which is not that different than what I'm doing with this project to ask like an auctioneer. And from there, I went on to working with people in an organizational context, also be as embodied as they are in a fitness studio, but in a business context. So for the 20 years from about 2000 until, and I still do this practice, I do leadership communications coaching. So that meant workshops, but also one-on-one coaching for the most crucial communications moments in the careers that a lot of folks that I work with. And now I work primarily sort of VP level and above. If I teach some workshops, that tends to be more of a mixed group, but I really, I'm targeting those moments. And interestingly, in my 20 years of doing that work at the highest level, I could count the number of women that I've worked with on one hand. You know, often I'm enrolled by a producer or, you know, an executive producer for an event or a strategist or a trusted partner of a C-level person and deployed into that relationship to help that person grow their impact in the context of communications on like crucial stage moments, right? Got to give my most important all hands 12 minutes where I discuss and share the direction of the company and what strategy we're doing to reach our goals. And they've got to trust me, you know, quickly. And to be able to do that, meet the need of the business, but also be able to to speak from the heart and be very aligned to who that leader is so that we get the sense that we're actually talking to the real person. It's still a practice of bringing an alignment, who you are, what you're doing, and how to show yourself sort of courageously, right? Right. And now with my project, Ask Like an Auctioneer, again, it's sort of a repackaging and a different delivery system for sort of doing a similar thing. Well, okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you actually went out and decided to go to auctioneer school, right? And frankly, you don't see very many female auctioneers. There's actually one here in town who's real popular, but I mean, she's the only one I know and she's a pistol. She's fabulous. But you know, it does seem like that again, another male dominated, you know, you think of an auctioneer as, as a man. So what made you want to go out and do this? Did you have a business idea in mind ahead of time or did you? Oh, no, no, no. So a handful of years ago, I was sort of in a self-imposed working sabbatical where I just brought my sort of the gigs I was saying yes to down to sort of a low hum. I went through the artist's way. If that's not a practice that your listeners are familiar with, I highly recommend it, particularly when you're in sort of a transition time or wanting to really find out like, who am I now? What do I care about now? What matters to me now? What do I love now? So I did the artist's way cover to cover and just picked up obstacle course racing as sort of a hobby spent a lot of time doing a lot of push-ups. And during that time, about every seven years, I kind of get an itch to learn something new. And in my communications coaching work, I work highly interdisciplinary. So I'm drawing from the world of improv and theater and psychology, and like I'm pulling from all that stuff. And so I was at a time where I was like, I want to have an adventure, right? I want to get in my 18-wheeler and head on out. So my husband reminded me of something that was on my bucket list, which is like, hey, remember that thing you said you'd want to be an auctioneer? Like maybe, maybe that's the thing for you to do this season. And I was like, yeah. So I poked around and I found an auctioneering school in St. Louis and I went and it was like me and a hundred cowboys. They were all there to learn how to sell uh, livestock. 
And I was there for what? I asked myself, like, what am I doing this for? Aside from the fact that it's super fun to put on a great outfit, stand in front of a room with a big microphone and ask people for things. Like, that's actually a thrill. It's a wonderful, powerful position to be in. I did ask myself, like, what am I, what is this? You know, aside from it, it was enough that it was going to be an adventure. You know, that was okay. But I also wanted to take myself to the next step and say, like, what am I going to do with this when I know how to do it? And the answer for me, you know, I've been really active in the world of sort of women in work in that I'm a CEO activator. I'm on the development board for the coaching fellowship. I'm just, I'm involved in helping women do what they want to do, you know, (laughs) whatever package that comes in. And so I thought, okay, when I'm done with this, you know, it's not going to be a career. I thought of it as like an impact hobby, right? What am I going to do? I'm going to, when I get home back to the San Francisco Bay area, I'm going to use my stage acumen, you know, the courage that I've, the courage and confidence I've developed over the years, getting in front of audiences, coaching people who are way, I'm going to call it out of my league. Like if we want to talk about an action that is confidence building. Like every day I'm walking into a room as a coach with folks who one way or another are out of my league. I'm good at what I do, but they are having, you know, impact on global scale. I said, I'm going to do fundraising auctioneering for women-led nonprofits and nonprofits that benefit women and girls. If you're a woman scientist who put together, you know, a nonprofit to do studies of wetland biology, you know, I want to help get more money in the hands so you can bring to life the vision that you are working on. If you're a nonprofit that benefits the lives of women and girls, I want to help get more money in your hands so that you can bring to life the vision that you're working on. So that's what I did. And it's been a couple of years now. And those two worlds, my communications work and my auctioneering work kind of crashed together when I created Ask Like an Auctioneer, which happened really on accident. So tell us the concept behind Ask Like an Auctioneer. Like, what's the mission behind that? When somebody signs up for this program, what are they hoping to gain? Sure. So what I'm after is helping women find the courage to ask for more. Because mostly when I have conversations around what are you asking for, what I hear is women lowballing themselves and they have a desire to ask for more. So how do I help you muster the courage? How do we use this to help put you more in control of your career path? How do you find the courage to ask big enough and put yourself in control of both the conversation you're having and in control of your pathway so that you can impact your goals, so you can accelerate getting to your goals faster? Because I think asking, it's not just about negotiation and those ordained negotiation moments. It's about using asking as a success strategy over, you know, across the board in your careers. So this was born because I noticed in some of the women's networks that I'm in, as I support and coach women in their crucial communications moments, that what I see is when I ask women first, like, okay, we're going to design your story for this stage moment, this pitch, maybe you're going out for investment capital, maybe you're approaching a brand that you want to partner with, whatever the thing is you want, like, tell me what you want. And then from there, once we articulate that, we'll work backwards and go and figure out what's the story you need to tell that makes that ask make sense. And in that context, I always called it a call to action, right? In business, many of your listeners are familiar with that term, right? What's your call to action in business? I didn't really think of it as an ask. I thought of it as like a business request or, you know, a strategic request. I didn't think, I just didn't put the ask word around it, but I've been doing it for years. So when I ask the question, what do you want? Half the time I hear women say, what do you think I can get? What that means is when we formulate an ask, we're aiming to create an ask that almost has a guaranteed yes. So I was a couple of years ago or two, two years ago, I was falling asleep one night after having a conversation with some folks in my CEO network going, ah, you know, it'd be so interesting if all women in, in business, whether they're in-house and driving their career forward toward a picture they have in their mind, or whether they're starting out on their own as a coaching practice or in a consulting practice, or if they're starting a business as an entrepreneur, 
like, what if all women had an opportunity to do what I've got to do in the last year and a half? Just like, see what it feels like to stand on stage with a mic in your hand and just without second guessing yourself, just make an ask and see what happens. Wouldn't it be interesting if all women, instead of asking like, what do I think I can get? I could ask enough just like we do in auctioneering, if I could ask until I get a no, because that's what we do when we ask like an auctioneer, we ask until we get a no, and that's when we know we've maximized the price of the item we're trying to auctioneer in that moment, right? What would it be if all women had a chance to do what I've been doing, which is just see what it feels like to ask like an auctioneer? And I went, oh my God, uh, yes. So the core concept inside of ask like an auctioneer is this, I wanna help women ask for more and get it using everything I've learned, the frameworks and the key tools that we use in auctioneering. And one of them is to aim for no, not for yes. Because when you aim for no, you get it. And then you negotiate down incrementally. You're going to know you got the most out of that conversation. If we aim for yes and we get a yes, feels great, but we may have left a good chunk of opportunity on the table. So that's the core concept inside of Ask Like an Auctioneer. Now, we don't do that. We aim for a yes because yes feels good, sure. And a no usually exists in a zone I call the zone of freaking out. The kind of ask you might make in your career whether it's you know, reaching to somebody across your organization and asking for mentorship, or if, if you're asking for a new salary and comp package at a new job you're, you're interviewing for, usually the thing that you think has a, a no threat to it is in a zone that makes us freak out a little bit. What did the words sound like differently if I'm going in and asking for a raise conceptually with this idea in mind versus trying to get to yes? Well, the first thing we're doing is we're not worrying about the how yet. We're worrying about the what. Like we get really knotted up in the how before we've really committed to the what, right? And until we do that, it's really easy for that what to get really slippery and the how to get really slippery. So we got to put one stake in the ground, which is like, what is it that I really want? Which is really about having an honest conversation with yourself. But in order to do that, what I first want women to do, what I find serves us over and over again, is to aggressively fall in love with our goals. The so that, like, what is the goal here, really? And if we've fallen in love with our goals and gotten into relationship with our goals, then the ask becomes easier to understand. Like, okay, if that's my goal, what is the ask that I could make that helps bring me closer to those goals? And then to ask ourselves, great, is that a, so I talked to you about the zone of freaking out, right? Which I sort of shorthand call the Zofo. I'll always ask women to go, great, give me a number. Let's imagine it's a, um, a request for investment, okay? Give me a number. I get a number from somebody. And I'll ask like, so you, you think you're going to get a yes for that? And the answer will be like, yes, no, or maybe so. And if the answer is yes, or I think so, I'm going to say, then great. What would it be like to ask for? And then I'm going to offer them a number that is squarely in their Zofo. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try that on. Once we've got a number to say, okay, we know that this number is the number we think risks getting a no. That's the one we want to commit to. And then we're going to draw on lots of other tools and techniques, you know, from the world of auctioneering that helps embolden that ask. And then this is a, what you're asking me is a question I very often get, which is like, yeah, but how do I actually ask? And I'm like, try this on. I want $150,000 a year. Pick three phrases. I'm looking for, I want, my target is. Like, Pick any of them. The key there, though, is that it is an embodied, owned request. It's not a slippery request with like, you know, well, I'm kind of like, I would kind of like maybe sort of like $150,000 a year, but I'm not, you know, willing to negotiate. And I just, we're not talking around it. I want 
to practice saying, you know, picking one or two or three phrases, just like we do in auctioneering, that are the phrases that help you make the ask. And they're the phrases you're going to commit to, to use to set up the ask. Now, I use, in auctioneering, I use, I'm a $100 bid. I've got a $100 bid. I'm looking for, I would say I'm looking for $200. Anyone in the room at $200? I'm looking for, right? So I'm looking for is the turn of phrase that makes sense for me in that context. And it gets me to the ask really quickly. And I am literally in the room looking for that $200. I'm looking to, the, my, to my right, to my left. Do I have a paddle at the $200? I'm looking for it right now. Anyone have it? Now you might use, I'm looking for in a salary request. You might say, I'm looking for $200,000 salary plus X, Y, and Z of equity benefits, whatever it is. Maybe you're going to use, I want, right? But you're going to find a couple of phrases before you go in that make sense for you to get you to the ask quickly. And then you're going to just friggin' say them. We talked about confidence. You talked a little bit about confidence. I've seen over and over again from my communications coaching and also since launching Ask Like an Auctioneer that confidence can't be a requirement for making an ask because if you wait to have the confidence to ask, you never will. So what we have to do is design our asks, you know, give ourselves a nice ask plan that feels robust, that you can believe in, and then recognize that you're going to be making that ask while you're freaking out, while you're scared, and that confidence is an outcome, not a prerequisite for doing something courageous. Interesting. I love that. Confidence is an outcome. I love it. And tell us about what you think is a key factor. So we go back to this confidence word and, you know, being an outcome, which I love. So how do we encourage more women to seek out the outcomes? Because I think it's that chicken egg thing, right? Because if you're not confident and you haven't gone through your ass like an auctioneer program, apparently, then if you're not asking, then you're not getting, you're not gaining that confidence. So what are some key things that any woman can do that help them get to that outcome? Um, I love this question because I want to aim women at uncoupling the expectation that we have to be confident in order to do something. There's sort of two ways to get into action, okay, that I've seen that comes out of my communications work, which is why this is, you know, all my communications coaching work for the last 25 years really informs a lot of what the coaching experience is with me if you're in one of my workshops. Because what I've seen over and over again is that we can either feel our way to a behavior or we can behave our way to a feeling. So there's a little bit of like, fake it till you make it. I don't know. I actually, I got to tell you, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> because if you're doing it, if you're actually doing it, you're not really faking it. But you're, you're faking the confidence, I think. And I think it kind of goes to that letting go, just doing it anyway, you know, working through it. I mean, I love Amy Cuddy, who's a Harvard business professor and all about the power poses. And the weird thing is, is they actually work. I mean, hundred percent in the mirror and you do that power pose. And that's part of just like getting your, it's like that mindset and like, okay, I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm standing here with my hands on my hip and this is my power pose. And Yes. She's pointing a lot to this idea that I'm talking about right now around like behaving your way to a feeling. So if you want to actually summon a powerful feeling and grow a certain sort of your confidence glow internally, if you put your body in a certain position, you can actually summon that thing. So that's kind of what I'm talking about here. So you're going to make a really strong plan you can believe in. You're going to fall in love with your goals. And then you're going to not expect yourself to feel a certain way while you're making the ask. You're going to let yourself be scared while you're doing it. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect while we're doing a thing. And what is perfect? Like, or what is perfect execution? In this case, 
it's execution. Like you have to actually put the ask out there, be willing to get a no and then negotiate from there. Whether you feel good or bad or freaked out or not or conf, like I'm almost agnostic to how you feel because getting into that and seeing how it works, that's where the confidence comes from. It's an outcome. So I guess I would tell women like, stop expecting yourself to be confident. Like get off your own back. Now here's the thing. That's why we don't ask for a no because a no lives in our zone of freaking out. And our zone of freaking out is the place where we don't feel so confident. It's the place where we feel freaked out, feel scared. We feel at risk. We feel, who do I think I am? How dare I? Who do, you know, all of the things we might tell ourselves. But here's the problem. We let that scare us out of making the asks that actually could have the biggest impact on our careers and on our goals. When really what we need to do is notice that feeling that we get when we're freaking out. What that is, is me in my zone of potential. That's what it is. That's right. Yep. I'm going to feel confident that I did it. I'm going to get confidence from the fact that I did it, not before I do it. And that's okay. Now, over time, we get more confident with it. Look, I'm coming up on enough auctions and I'm very confident on stage. I trust myself on stage, but being an auctioneer on stage is a whole different ballgame because you are tracking with what's going on in the room. You're not just keeping track of what you plan to say in your own script. You're actually dealing with direct feedback in the room and it can get crazy and difficult. There's no way that I could expect myself. I have confidence in myself, but I don't always feel confident in the first 15 words when I step on stage. Right. It's an indicator. I, what I like to say about, you know, really feeling that fear is that if you don't have some level of fear or turning in your stomach, then to your point, your ass probably isn't big enough. Your dreams aren't big enough. You're not pushing yourself because it should be out of your comfort zone if you're really reaching. And so I think that if you can embrace that feeling as, okay, I'm in the zone, right? I'm in the free yes. zone, which means that's good. Because yes, I'm Exactly. Yeah, I'm over that hump, which therefore then instills confidence, kind of like this big circle. I mean, because eventually even is. that, even saying, wow, I'm feeling really scared right now. That means I'm pushing myself. Yes. It is very often that I work with women where we put together an ask plan for them. I have a two hour workshop called your most powerful ask. And as a component of that, we do live coaching in the room. We will often have a woman in the room designing, you know, identifying her goals, figuring out what's the big move that she needs to make that gets her closer to her goals. What are the asks that she needs to make in order to action that big move? And then how do we make sure that whatever the ask is, it's a Zofo version ask, you know, not the heading for a yes kind of ask. And women walk away with a plan. They know their plan and they are both freaked out and exhilarated at the same time two feelings, those two states kind of can live together, right? Where we feel fully engaged and committed to what we're doing and also scared out of our minds while we're doing it, but also kind of exhilarated and impressed with ourselves. Right. <laughs> That's right. No, it is. It's, it's awesome. I love the way you describe all that. I think the program sounds absolutely amazing and it's fascinating and you know, anything that we can do to, you know, to help encourage women to just go for it. Yeah, I want to be clear that like, you know, when I think about this as a project, there are a few components women can access this content. I have a two-hour live workshop. I have a few one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities. And I have an online course that is literally 57 minutes because, you know, I'm not building a, a women's mastermind circle around this right now because the ideas are so grokkable. I don't know if your audience uses that word grok, but like they're so grokkable, they're so gettable that, you know, in 57 minutes, you can flip a bit in your brain and look at asking differently and be able to go action those really fast. You know, I recognize that, you know, women are caregiving for aging parents. We have young kids. We have nieces and nephews we're caring for. We have mentees at work. 
we're juggling a cabillion things. And what I want is for women to be able to get these ideas in a way that is quick hit, accessible and actionable and doesn't require like a big, you don't have to register for an MBA to do it, you know? And those two key concepts I shared around aiming for a no and understanding what your own Zofo is about is really the two core ideas that then get surrounded by other stuff that I use in auctioneering to help you sort of stay in your zone of freaking out and help you help empower and embolden your ask. And it's, it's not a heavy lift. So no, that's awesome. That's amazing. As we close up, let's get to know a little bit more about you in our speed round here. So what is your morning routine like? I mean, you've got a lot of energy, so I'm curious to hear. <laughs> I, bur- I burn hot and then I just, you know, I'm, I'm in, up to bed by nine, just so you know. My morning routine, I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. So my morning routine is get up, pack lunches, walk the kids to school. And then I spend a sacred hour every morning in movement. I lift weights in my garage. I run the hills where I live. That time I spend alone. It gears me up for the rest of the day and it helps feed, helps me meet myself at the beginning of the day. Awesome. And what are you currently reading or listening to? So the things that I'm reading right now are Rage Becomes Her. It will enrage you in reading it, but it is fantastic. I always have The Heroine's Journey next to my bedside and also Emotional Alchemy. One I'm reading through and the other two I have sort of on hand whenever I need it. And I jump into chapters as they feel relevant to my weeks. Excellent. So who's your role model? This is always such a tough one. I'm going to say my grandmother was a role model. This is not somebody that anyone would know, you know, any of your listeners would know, but she was really the CEO of her own life. And you just, crossing her was dangerous, but you always know she had it handled. And there was something about her fierceness that I always was sometimes hard to be the granddaughter of, but also something I respect about her even now. That's awesome. What's one thing you can't live without? Two things. (laughs) Okay, we'll let you have two. Uh, This sounds sort of cliche, but my husband, I met him when I was 15. We've been married 19 years. He's like, go ahead, girl, go get that open road. And secondly, daily movement. That is a can't live without. And so what piece of advice would you give your 10-year-old self? Maybe learn how to drive a (laughs) 18-year-old? Yeah. (laughs) The advice I'd give my 10-year-old self is that you don't have to twist yourself to fit in to existing models. Great advice. So tell us, um, I know you mentioned that you've got all kinds of resources and, and courses, et cetera. How can our listeners find you? So you can find me by looking me up at diabondi.com. That's where you'll find both my communications work and a link to this Ask project. Or you can go directly to asklikeanauctioneer.com. On that site, you can find a downloadable PDF will get you started on asking more boldly. There's a tool in there called the five must-answer questions you need to answer before you go in to your next big and crucial ask. So you can get that for nothing. And then I do have a live workshop, which right now is not open to the public, but I'm hoping in 20. 20, that will happen. So keep your eyes open for that. You can sign up for my mailing list and get weekly. I do a a weekly blog and video that will give you some tools and reflections for thinking about how you might use asking as a success strategy in your own life. And I do have a course online. It's very affordable. It's $149. It's 57 minutes and it is called Welcome to the Zofo. So your folks can get that right now. I love that. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you sharing and also just sharing so, you know, so much about your concept. I think it's really fascinating and unique and so needed for women. So thank you for all that you're doing to empower women. And we will be following you and watching what you do next. So happy to be with you today. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, 
Subscribe to our free daily newsletter and audio brief, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Let us know your thoughts or what you want to hear next from at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're here to help you become the best boss babe you are meant to be. 